I want to start this morning's message um, with a quote from uh, Dr. Jim Hamilton. Uh, Dr. Hamilton is a professor of biblical theology uh, at Southern Seminary. He's also the pastor at Kenwood Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, the, the quote's a little lengthy, but it, it sets us up to where we'll be heading this morning. So, so just bear with me as, we, as I read this quote. He says this, When we look closely at corporate prayers throughout the Old and New Testaments, in terms of what the saints are praying for, several things can be noted. First, it's God's sovereign power that summons forth prayer. People pray to God because they believe that He is mighty to save, able to change the course of events, and willing to respond to the prayers of His people. That's a key point today. Second, we often see confessions of the sin of the people and the righteousness of God in these corporate prayers. These prayers are laden with true theology and reminiscence of God's past faithfulness. Third, these corporate prayers almost universally call on God to do exactly what He has promised to do, whether that be to return the people from exile, you see this in Daniel 9, or to cause the gospel to advance through the bold testimony of God's people. When the Bible records what the people of God pray, it records them asking Him to do what He has promised to do for the sake of His name. In short, God has always intended for His people to pray for His glory and their good. So God calls His people to pray and to seek Him and to seek His forgiveness and His mercy, and not just for themselves, but also on behalf of others. Uh, calling on Him for mercy and forgiveness with a repentant heart. And that's what we're going to read about today in Daniel 9 this morning. Okay? We're going to read that. Uh, so if you're going to go ahead and turn to Daniel 9. Chapter, one, verses one, uh, chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. So this is what we want, in part, to reflect this morning, is this, is this prayer. So I read this quote because, because our sermon time this morning is going to be slightly, slightly different. Okay? Not different in a bad way, but different um, in not the normal way. Okay, so just bear with me. We're going to, this morning, okay, to have a few of our members lead us in prayer as a congregation throughout the sermon. Okay? So when I come to the end of a major point, um, I will ask those individuals to come forward, while the mic is here down front, and lead us in a specific prayer emphasizing that point of the specific text covered. Okay? So don't be alarmed. Okay? Uh, just, a little bit, just a little bit different this morning. Okay? So our focus, as we conclude this series on surviving Babylon uh, here in the book of Daniel, is on prayer and repentance, and how, the, how those two are intertwined in this, in this chapter, chapter 9. So I'm going to read Daniel chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Um, verses 1 and 2 are background sort of information. The crux of the, of the message will be 3 through 19. Okay? But, um, but let's read Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. 
God's word says this. In the first year of Darius, the son of, 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 uh, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent of Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. Verse 3, Then I turned my face to the Lord, Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame. As at this day, to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belong open shame, to our kings and to our princes and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. That calamity is the exile. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come before us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done. And we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and, made, and have made a name for yourself as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from our city, from your city, Jerusalem, and your holy hill because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, O God, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy and for your sake and for your own sake, O Lord. Make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God. Incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. O my God, because of your city and your people are called by your name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you that we can come before you. We thank you that we can gather together. We can hear from you and your word. And I pray that all that is said uh, and done this morning uh, in this place is beneficial to us all uh, and well-pleasing to you. 
And we pray these things in Jesus' good name. Amen. So the context here, the background of all of this, the people of God have been in exile, we know that, uh, for almost the assigned 70 years. Okay? And that time is coming to an end. And you see in, in verses 1 and 2, Daniel has been reading the prophetic words of Jeremiah concerning the exile, and he understands that this 70-year time period is coming to an end. It's coming to an end. Um, he understands the circumstances that led to the exile. We just read about it. The people's disobedient, disobedience to God's laws and his commands. And he comes before the Lord seeking understanding, understanding, seeking understanding of God's promises and, and reminding God of those promises as well. But he's also engaging in heartfelt confession and repentance on behalf of the nation of Israel. So that's where we will begin in verse 3. Okay? Verse 3. Verse 3 says this, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer, and pleased for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So Daniel turned his face to seek the Lord's face. Okay? Um, he did, as, as the psalmist wrote in Psalm 105:4, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. And so that's what Daniel's doing. So here we see in verse 3, we want to look at the posture of Daniel's prayer. Okay? How did he approach God in this prayer? Okay? Uh, the call to seek God's face was issued because the people obviously had abandoned him and, and, and needed to return to him. You, you see that? We read that. So when we look at Daniel's posture and his attitude and his demeanor as he approached God, uh, we see several things here. Now, first of all, this first point um, sounds a little odd, um, kind of simple uh, to point out, but it's profound. Um, he prayed. He prayed. Right? He prayed. He didn't go to another source. Okay? The only person who could do what Daniel is about to ask is God himself. No other person can accomplish this okay? uh, on his behalf, on the people's behalf. Uh, and when we go to the Lord on our behalf, okay, only the Lord. So he prayed. Okay? And this is what, what we need to do. We need to come before the Lord. This is what we must do. We must pray. We must pray. So he prayed, but he prayed with two things here. He prayed with endurance. He prayed with endurance. Uh, his heart was resolute to pray until the Lord had answered him. He is seeking the face of God. In other words, that's just seeking the face of God continually. Eh? And that means his, his heart, his mind is set on the things of God. Eh? You know, our mind's attention and our heart's affection are to be set on the Lord. And so Daniel has a desire here to, to hear from the Lord and for, and for God to act on behalf of the people. Right? So what about you and me? Right? Um, do we pray with this sort of resoluteness and endurance? Or do we stop after one or two prayers? We give up? Um, not Daniel, not Daniel. The, 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 again, the context of the verse is he seeks the face of the Lord, in other words, that continually until the Lord answers his prayer. So there's endurance in his praying. But he also prayed with humbleness. 
He also prayed with humbleness. His heart posture was determined, what I would say determined humility. Okay? Um, and we see that demonstrated um, in his pleas for mercy, in his fasting, in the wearing of sackcloth. Those, those were outer components to show an inner heart posture that Daniel had. The fasting, the, uh, the wearing of sackcloth. Okay? So, our posture before the Lord must be one of humility. When we, when we come to God, we come humbly, we come lowly. Okay? H.B. Charles says this, he says, Come to God in humble submission, not arrogant presumption. Humble submission, not arrogant presumption. So he prayed, and he prayed with endurance, and he prayed with humbleness, and he prayed to the one who had authority and power and control. Now, what, what do we call that? What do we call that? We call that the sovereignty of God. He's in control of all. God's, God's in complete authority over, over all. So, remember who it is we turn to in prayer. In particular, in repentant prayer. For ourselves and on behalf of others. You know, our God is the, the, the God, the sovereign of the universe. Right? Remember that. He's the one who can answer. He's the, he's the one in whom all power and authority to cleanse people, to forgive, to transform the hearts of mankind. He's the only one who can do that. This is who we go to in prayer. And we should go in that manner. We should go in a manner of, of, of endurance and humbleness of heart. So we're going to do that now as a, as a congregation. As I stated earlier, we're going to have, um, have one of our members lead us in, in a congregational prayer. And for this particular prayer this morning, Melanie Dunlop is going to come, okay, and she's going to offer up a prayer focused mainly on our posture as a people as we come before the Lord, okay, and to remember that and who we're coming to in prayer. And so, Melanie, you come and you lead us in that prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. What a privilege it is to come to you in prayer. What a comfort and a blessing it is to know that you want us to meet with you and that you hear the prayers of your children. God, I pray that as we worship you this morning, that we have come with a heart of humility. That is what you require, Lord. So I ask that you would give us a humble heart, hearts that are fully aware that you are the source of our every need hearts that long to submit to your authority over our lives. God, I pray that we come with the right attitude toward your holiness and that it would cause us to feel the weight of any and all sin in our lives. Father, I ask that you would soften our hearts more and more and remove the pride in us so that we can be quick to confess our sin and listen for your voice and obey your word. Lord, as we ask for an increased measure of humility, we remember that you are the God of mercy and are gracious to us. So we also ask for an increased measure of your mercy. Help us to see you for who you are, patient and kind and a good and faithful Father. You are the God of salvation, 
You're the God Almighty, the maker and sustainer of all things, and you are sovereign over all, the Alpha and Omega, the great I Am. And we praise you, Lord, for you are worthy of all of our worship and our praise. Father, so often we come so carelessly to prayer, and we come distracted and hurried and unimpressed. We come haphazardly and so casually without any forethought to what we are actually doing. So forgive us, Lord, for that. Help us to set our faces towards you, giving our full attention to your spirit. God, you tell us to seek you with all of our hearts, and when we do, we will find you. So draw us close, Lord, and help us to linger in your presence when we pray with a determination to seek you over and over again with a deeper desire to know more of who you are. May we be a people that call out to you consistently in prayer for our every need and the needs of others. Thank you, God, for your steadfast love. Thank you for saving us, and may you be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So that leads us to verses 4 through 18. 4 through 18. And in verses 4 through 18, we see the focus of Daniel's prayer. The focus of Daniel's prayer. Uh, this is the core of Daniel's prayer. It's concentrated here in, in these verses. And in verse 4, God's Word says this, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. So, so here we see a confession by the, of, of exaltation concerning God. Confession of exaltation concerning God. So Daniel prayed. And to whom did he pray? He prayed to, as it says, I prayed to the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And that denotes Yahweh. Okay? The most common designation for God in the scriptures is Yahweh. So the question is, who is this Yahweh that is to be exalted? Who is this Yahweh? Who is this Lord? Well, the best way that, that you and I in which we can most accurately describe him is by his attributes. So we're going to go through, I'm going to go through just a few attributes of the Lord. Okay? Number one, he's, he wanna, you might want to jot these down. He's, he's holy. He's holy. Psalm 99 verse 9 says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 also reference the holiness of God. So he's holy. He, he is love. He's love. 1 John 4 says, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is loved. God is love. You see that in verse 16 of 1 John 4 as well. He's gracious. He's gracious in his commitment to us despite our sin. He's gracious. He's gracious. He's just or he's righteous. Daniel chapter 9 verse 7 uh, says this, To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness. God is just. He is right. Eh? He's self-existing. He's not dependent on creation, and he, he gives life to and provides for all of creation. He's not dependent on anything. He's self-existing. He's, 
He's unchanging. He's unchanging. There's, there's no movement in who he is. He doesn't change. Uh, Malachi uh, 3.6 says this, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. So God doesn't fluctuate. He doesn't change. And because of that, we're not consumed. Thank goodness. He's eternal. Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He's eternal. Isaiah 40, verse 28 also makes reference to God's eternality. He's omnipresent. He's not, he's not limited by physical space. Uh, he can be present at any place in time. Psalm 139, 7 says, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? So he's omnipresent, he's omniscient. All these things, you know, he's all-knowing. He, his understanding is infinite. Psalm 147, verse 5, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. And he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful. He has the power, now listen to this, he has the power to do anything, and right, I'm not just going to stop there, he has the power to do anything consistent with his nature, his desires, and plans as revealed in the Scriptures. So, he's all-powerful. So, this is who our God is. This is who our God is. But Daniel also says that, that he is what? In, in that verse, same verse, he says, I pray to the Lord, my God, my God. Obviously, we know that Daniel has rejected the false gods of Babylon, okay? and he's making it known that Yahweh is his God. That means he is in relationship with God. Again, this God is not some impersonal cosmic force that has nothing to do with his creation. You know, I think even the, the term creator, designer, denotes relational aspect of who he is. He has intricately designed and devised each and every part of creation. Right? So he's, he's relational. He's approachable even though he's holy. And he desires to have connection with those he calls his own. He desires that. This is the God to whom Daniel is appealing if he's your God this morning, this is who you're calling on. The sovereign Lord of all, when you come to him in prayer. This is who we're calling on when we come together in settings like these. So one simple question you see there in your, in your notes. What was Daniel's confession about his God? I think it's there. He says that he was great, that he is great and awesome. He is the God who inspires awe and wonder. You know, these words mean one who inspires fear. So, so when you survey the works of God, we should be in awe of his greatness. When you survey the works of God, we should be in awe of his greatness. That's what Daniel's saying there. So he's, he is great, he is awesome, but he's also faithful to his covenant promises. He's faithful to his covenant promises. This steadfast love, this hased, right? 
This is the loyal love of God to those that keep his promise to his people, right? To his people. So Daniel is pleading with God to keep his promises as the people return from exile. He's faithful to his covenant promises. So when you look at Daniel, on behalf of the faithful few that we've seen so far in the book of Daniel, Daniel appeals to God for mercy and for restoration. And he says, we have kept your commands. And because of that, show your faithfulness to those who have not. Show your faithfulness to those who have not. So if you're, if you're a true believer here today, if you've placed your faith in Christ and you've repented of your sin, you're now in covenant relationship with God. And as believers, you know, we demonstrate that relational connection by our love and obedience to God. You know, as we've seen throughout this short series, even in the exile, Daniel and those faithful few that we've seen demonstrated their love for God by their obedience to Him. So God desires this of us as well, eh? in the culture that we live in. Eh? Our love for God is displayed, even in a hostile culture, by our obedience to His commands. So, with that being said, I've asked Donna Arney to come and to lead us in a prayer in regard to, to these points. You know, confessing to God in prayer of His greatness uh, and that He would show His great loving kindness toward those who keep His commands. So Donna, you come and you, you lead us in, in prayer this morning. Please pray with me as we bow to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Father, we recognize that you are the one true God of the universe. You are holy, full of grace, truth, justice, mercy, and love. You are the one and true, all-powerful, great, and awesome God who keeps his word and his faithfulness to you. We thank you, Father, for this precious family of Calvary Baptist that is gathered here today. We ask for your blessing and the filling of the Holy Spirit. To lead, us, to lead us in worshiping you in spirit and in truth, obeying your word, following your guidance, Father, what you would have for us to do. We thank you for loving each of us and for calling us to walk with you. We depend on you, God, because you are our peace and our provider. Your law is good, Father. Help us to delight in it and to obey your commandments. Help us to love you with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, Father. And we thank you for your grace and your mercy, and that you're such a wonderful God to us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. So we have our confession of exaltation concerning God. And then we turn to verses 5 through 15. That's the big portion here of Scripture, 5 through 15. Um, I'm tempted to reread it, but I'm not sure if I have enough time. Um, but as we continue through the text, we see that Daniel is acknowledging the sin of the people against God. 
He's confessing to God the sins the people have committed against, against their God. And verse 5 sets the stage. I want you to listen to verse 5. I'm going to go quickly through. I'm going to, I'm going to read the text, but I'm going to read portions of this. Right? Listen to these descriptors of, of sin. Verse 5, we have sinned. Verse 6, we have not listened. Verse 7, we have committed treachery against you, God. Verse 8, we have sinned. Verse 9, we have rebelled. Verse 10, we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord by walking in His laws. Verse 11, we have transgressed your law. Verse 11, we have turned aside. Verse 11, we have refused to obey your voice. Verse 11, we have sinned against God. Verse 13, we have not entrusted the favor of the Lord. Verse 13, we have not gained insight by your truth. Verse 14, we have not obeyed God's voice. Verse 15, we have sinned. Verse 15, we have done wickedly. If I did my addition right, I think that 16 times in these verses, Daniel makes mention of the people's hard-heartedness. God's people had deliberately veered off God's path. They had deliberately veered off God's path. The people of God had fallen short of God's design for them. The design was for them to be a holy, set-apart, unique people. And they were not to be one with the culture. They were to be set apart. They were to be different. They were to be unique. They were to be a reflection of the God that they say they loved and served. They were to be a reflection of the God they say they loved and served. But, but as you know, you've read the Old Testament. Right? They were anything but that in many cases, right? So what does God do? What does God do? What is God's response? If you've read the Old Testament, you know what God does. He, he, he sends prophets to warn them and call them to repentance. Call them to repentance. But what did they do? They refused to listen to the prophets of God. Right? But I want to make this side note here. This isn't a main point. But God sending the prophets to the people is an act of grace. It's an act of grace by God himself. Right? Don't forget that. Right? But they refused to repent when the prophets called them to repentance, Right? And this call to repentance is a call by God to be a part of a remnant that God speaks of many times in the Old Testament. This remnant, this, this remnant that he will rejoice over. This remnant that is a purified people, purified by God, consisting of people who are humble and lowly and who trust the Lord. That's this remnant. And so, so God is calling them to repentance. And when God calls a people, listen to it, when God calls a people to repentance, it's a call to grace. It's a call to grace. You can't escape the grace of God toward humanity. You can't. God calling individuals to repentance is God manifesting grace to them. Right? He desires, as First Peter says, that none should perish and that all should come to repentance 
So God's call of repentance is a call to grace. You know, again, why repent? Why repent? Well, because of the day of the Lord in the Old Testament here and in references in the New Testament, the day of the Lord's coming. The day of the Lord is coming. You see descriptors in Zephaniah, Joel, Zechariah, Malachi, and it's terrifying and it's horrifying okay, to those who are not a part of the remnant. But to those who are, it's a day of salvation. Okay? So to those who have not repented, it's, it's devastating. So, but this is what humanity is due because of the sin against the Lord. That's the scope of His judgment. So what about you and I? What's our part in this? You know, God calls people to repentance and as followers of Christ his bride we're commissioned to do the same we're commissioned to do the same to call people to repentance Acts 26 verse 20 Paul is in front of Agrippa and he's declaring that those in Damascus Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and also to the Gentiles should repent and turn to God Jesus speaking to his disciples in Luke 24, 47, before he ascended, he says that, that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So we are commissioned, so as followers of Christ, we are commanded and commissioned to call individuals to repentance. You know, are we consistently engaging in this in our culture, calling others to repentance? It's also interesting in this passage to see that Daniel includes himself by using the word we. Now, I've already made mention that he was one of the faithful few, right? But he's including himself in this prayer of confession and repentance before God. Daniel identifies with the people of Israel, and he acknowledges that their, their, their collective sinfulness. So, so why do you suppose he does that? Why do you suppose he does that? Like, would you do that? Would you include yourself in the sinfulness of your, of your church family, of your community? He has a genuine concern for God's will and a desire to see God's promises fulfilled. So by praying on behalf of the people, Daniel expresses his earnest desire to align himself with God's plans and God's purposes. Although he's one of the, the, the faithful few, the one, few individuals that is righteous and, is, and has been faithfully devoted to God, listen to this, he does not distance himself from the failures of his nation. He takes responsibility for their actions and he sees himself as part of the larger community, sharing in their blessings and in their sins. Okay? He recognizes that he's not exempt from the consequences of his people's sins. Because where's Daniel at? He's in Babylon too, right? So he, he wasn't excluded from that judgment of God. So he seeks God's forgiveness on behalf of the entire nation. And this should be our attitude as well. A repentant and humble heart 
seeking God's forgiveness, pleading with God for mercy on behalf of our, our family, uh, our, our church, our community, our nation. We should have that type of attitude, okay? posture as Daniel had. So, so I've asked Daniel Gunter to lead us in a prayer regarding these points about sin and the need to acknowledge and confess and seek God in repentance of our sin. So Daniel's going to come and he's going to lead us in a corporate prayer regarding those things. Father, we come before you and you are the most high God. You are the righteous king sitting on his throne. And Father, you are the creator of everything and you hold everything together. Father, it's right now, especially in light of this scripture, that we come before you and we confess. We confess our wickedness and our sin. And Father, we, we confess the times where we, we don't take time to repent. And Father, we, I pray that us as a body would take that seriously. Father, that we would come to you daily in repentance. Father, that we would live worthy of the calling that we have received from you. And Father, we just pray that you would give us a heart for those around us. Father, as Tommy has mentioned, a heart for those in our family, in our church, and in our community, that Father, that need this call to repentance. And so Father, we confess when we, we choose the sin of the world instead of obedience to you. Father, we just confess these things to you. But Father, in light of that, we are so thankful that you have shown forgiveness to us of our sins, that as we sung today, that your mercy is so far greater than our sin. And Father, we just thank you that even in our continual struggle with sin, you are there and faithful and steadfast with us. And so Father, during this time, we, we just ask you that in light of this scripture, you would just allow us to, Father, take it seriously, to take seriously the call to repentance, that we would be a light in this community, and Father, call those who are living in sin to repentance so that they can experience the freedom that it is to live in Christ. And Father, I just conclude this time with just thanksgiving that you have shown mercy to each one of us. And Father, if there are people in here right now that are still struggling with this, Father, call them to you so that they can experience that freedom as well. So Father, it is in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So despite the sins of the people, Daniel petitions God to remember the promises that he made to his people. This is verses 16, 17, and 18. The petition of mercy and restoration from God. I'm going to read 16, 17, and 18. God's word says this, O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. 
Now therefore, O God, listen to the prayer of your servant, to the pleas for mercy, and for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. Specifically, that's the temple there. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. See, the basis of Daniel's pleas for mercy was the righteousness of God. Was the righteousness of God. Now, God was just in his punishment of the nation, right? We know that. He's right in doing that. But Daniel's saying now it would be just for God for you to restore us according to your promises. For you to restore them. So he asked God to turn from his anger and show favor to them once again. Now, we, we see his humble, submissive posture once again in this, in this, um, uh, in this section of Scripture in verse 17. He says, now therefore, O Lord, listen to the prayer of your servant. So he's expressing, again, a humble, submissive posture here, saying, Lord, I'm your servant. Listen to your servant's prayer. And like I I mentioned earlier, Daniel is specifically asking God to rebuild the temple here. Um, The sanctuary, make your face shine upon your sanctuary, sanctuary, which is desolate. Rebuild and restore what has been destroyed for his namesake. So he's asking God to restore the people for the sake of his great name, God's great name. So a restored people will be a tremendous testimony to the nations of how great you are. That's what he's saying. So he asked God to intently listen to his pleas for mercy on behalf of the people. Now, Our pleas for God's mercy are never on account of our own righteousness. Um, We are not the basis for our own cries for help. We are totally dependent on the Lord to act, to restore, to give mercy, to show grace. But do we live as if we believe that? That we are totally dependent on the Lord to act and restore, show grace, give mercy. You know, in a culture that esteems self-reliance and self-sufficiency and self-help and self-fill-in-the-blank, I think many times as believers, we function, I guess I'm going to coin a phrase here, we function as, maybe, maybe not, uh, as a self-based Christian. Like, I, I know there's no such thing as a self-based Christian, but, but we sometimes function by our actions. We live as though there is, that we are. But we are totally dependent on the Lord. Okay? And we should live in that way. God is the only one, God is the only one who can restore anything or redeem any situation or relationship in our lives. So trust him to do that. Trust him to do that. That's what Daniel's doing. Trusting him to do that. So as we wrap up this morning, as we wrap up this morning, in verse 19, we see the intended outcome of Daniel's prayer. Verse 19. 
Let me read verse 19. It says, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not, here it is, for your own sake. O my God, because, of, because your city and your people are called by your name. So three times he addresses God as O Lord. Again, this is recognition of God's sovereign power and his ability to answer this prayer. So Daniel pleads with the Lord to listen, to hear, to act. So Daniel is longing that the Lord do something about this situation that the Jews find themselves in. In fact, the Lord is the only one who can do anything about this. Think about life. Think about your life. Think about situations in life and relationships in life. The Lord is the only one who can repair, restore, and redeem. He's saying, Lord, we we want you to do something that we, uh, as a people of this nation, we we, we find ourselves in, we, we can't do. But do this, but do this for your name's sake. Think about that in our own nation, in our own culture. Eh? Lord, we want you to move and work in the culture that, that, that we live in, and, um, but do it for your name's sake. Do it for your name's sake. Not necessarily, listen, sometimes we pray, not necessarily to make things more comfortable for us, but that those who do not believe see the greatness of our God, and in repentance run toward Him, desiring to know this God who grants mercy and grace to an undeserving people. It's for your name's sake, Father. So the main conclusion in Daniel's prayer is for God's name to be known. God's name to be known. We are God's people called by His name to make His name great among the nations. We are called, we are God's people called by His name to make His name great among the nation. It's for His name's sake. It's not for our comfortability. So how do we do this? How do we do this? That brings us to lesson four, right? very last lesson here in this series, that we must be resolute to call on God for mercy and forgiveness and repentance and appeal appeal to others to do the same. That we must be resolute, determined to call on God for mercy and forgiveness in repentance And appeal to others to do the same. Calling others to repentance as well. So let's be a people that, for lack of a better phrase I could come up with, I'm not a smart guy, hey, let's let's do this. Let's do this. Let's be resolute to call on God for mercy and forgiveness and repentance and then appeal to others to do the same. As we close this morning, I'm going to lead us in our final prayer, a prayer of petition. And then we're going to, to sing a song that, that can be our collective prayer to the Lord. And then Dan's going to come and give us some closing words and our benediction. 
But I'm going to lead us in that prayer of petition this morning. So let's go before him now and petition for mercy and restoration for his great name. For his great name. Father, we petition you to let your anger, your wrath turn from us. Father, we, we are well-deserving of this anger. We know that because of our sin against you and our failure to obey as you have commanded us in your word to obey. Father, we, we pray that, that you have heard our collective prayers to you this morning, that you have listened, that you have heard our cries for mercy, our pleas for forgiveness. Father, we, we come before you based only on the righteousness that we have in Christ. We have no merit or authority of our own, but only that which you have gifted us with because of the righteousness of Christ applied to our hearts. Lord, I echo what Daniel says in verse 19. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not. Delay not in answering our prayers of repentance and forgiveness for your own sake. Father, make much of your name in and through this local body called Calvary Baptist Church. And it's in the name of Jesus I ask these things. Amen.